Hi readers, and welcome to episode 24 of Lost the Plot, the Tinted Edges monthly podcast all about books. I'm your host, Ang Harrod, and today we will be abandoning the typical structure of this podcast and substituting it with a play-by-play breakdown of the Sydney Writers Festival with my friend, fellow writer and esteemed poet, Kendall. A prolific dog era. We'll be giving you all our thoughts and feelings about incredible talks we saw while we explore Sydney on foot. As always, you can keep up with all the things we discuss in the show notes for each episode, including this one, on the Tinted Edges webpage at www.tintededges.com slash lost dash the dash plot. However, before we jump in, just a bit of housekeeping. We discuss various issues throughout this podcast, including LGBTIQ issues, race, mental health, suicide, gender, and sexual assault. So if any of these issues are upsetting to you, please feel free to abandon this episode and join us next month when I'll be back to the ordinary style of Lost the Plot. Okay, okay, Kendall wants to hear my story. So, we're in the car. Uh, we're on Northbourne Avenue in Canberra. We are just about to hit the road to go to the Sydney Writers' Festival. I'm joined today with my friend Kendall, local Canberra poet extraordinaire. Can I say hi? Hi, everyone. Oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and so, um, this morning has already been not going to plan. <laughs> I tried to be super organized and put on some washing yesterday and um, so I'd have clean clothes for the weekend because the Sydney Writers Festival, um, Kendall and I are going to be going, it's Friday today and we're going to be going um, and spending two nights in Sydney to go try and see all of our events. But anyway, so I tried to be really organized and put some washing on and my partner very kindly hung it out to me and I was going to take it off the line this morning and do you recall what it looked like this morning outside? It was terribly raining. It was pouring yeah. with rain and all of my clean clothes were very, very wet outside. So I was like, oh my god. <laughs> anyway, so um, I was not impressed about that at all this morning. Did you get any? Yeah, so very luckily my partner had kindly brought some of them in yesterday when he was hanging the others out. So I wasn't completely left in the lurch, but it drew me into a bit of a spin and so when my partner was dropping me off at work this morning, I realized halfway in that I had left my ticket <laughs> at home. Which you now have. <laughs> Which I now have because Aww. I'd like to give a special shout out to Sam who really like helped me out this morning. And in fact, can I just say that when I was sending him um, information about where the tickets were, he then texted me to ask me what books I, he should bring so I can get them signed by Aww. authors at the event. Love you, Sam. Love you, Sam. Uh, Thank you. I know. What would I do without you? So, what book did you bring? So, I've got um, this fabulous book, which is called The Rest of Us Just Live Here by Patrick Ness. So, I'm hoping to go see Patrick Ness speak um, tomorrow. It's not, he's not going to be speaking at Carriage Works. He's speaking at another location, I think maybe that's in Redstone. So, I might have to brave the Sydney public transport system so I can go out and see him. But, the reason I want to see him, um, so he's won the Carnegie Medal twice. He writes young adult fiction and he writes absolutely beautiful stories. Very um, sensitively deals with queer teenage characters. Um, he's just, oh, 
he's phenomenal. I just finished another book of his called Release the other day, and it's really good. But this edition that I've got is, um, well, you can see it. it's got blue tinted edges. Um, and actually, there were two. You could get two versions of this. You could get one with a yellow hardcover and blue edges, which I have. Or you could get one with blue hardcover and yellow edges. Okay, so how come you the blue? I think that was just the one that was available at the time. But I have seen other versions of it. Yep. And then I've got um, a copy of Terra Nullius by Claire G. Coleman. It got shortlisted for the seller price. And um, so I like I just am so reluctant to say too much about this book because this is the kind of book that you really have to go in cold and you really just have to let it wash over you. But basically it's about um yeah, it's it's kind of speculative fiction um that I think draws very heavily on themes of uh Aboriginal issues from when um, when Australia first got colonised by white people up until this point, and it is genius, absolute genius. Are you talking on an individual yes, session? Or yes, an and in fact, I think she's actually talking in about an hour. So, for those of you who don't live in Australia, Canberra, which is Australia's capital city, is about three hours away from Sydney and probably more on a Friday afternoon when we're breaking traffic. Yes, and we have to be there by 6 pm. So we're going to be on Oh, we're going to make it? That's like four with, hours and with 15 coffee, minutes. With a coffee shop, at least one. Oh, uh, definitely it. one. We'll make it. Yeah, we'll definitely, we'll definitely make it. So, um, <laughs> but one of those days where like I'm so excited and a bit like, uh, you know, agitated from this morning's events that I'm like, I want more coffee, but do I really? <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. Um, You've got clothes on and you've got your tickets. I am wearing okay. clothes. There are clothes in the car. And there, there are is... clean clothes yeah. in the car, so yeah. I will be wearing clothes the entire weekend. <laughs> I'm glad to hear this. <laughs> I, even sure. brought, I even brought pajamas, so like, don't worry, I will be clothed okay. at all times. Um, and then the third book that I've brought to get signed, you are familiar with this book, aren't you? I am, well, I currently have about 40 minutes to go with the audio book of that, and yeah. it has completely blown me up. Who is narrating the audio book? Okay, so yeah. it's not the author. No, I don't think it's the author, no. Okay, that's no. interesting. I'm always amazing. Oh, good, yeah. good. I'm always very interested in who narrates. I think the choice of narrator is really quite a critical choice. And mm -hmm. in fact, I think sometime, having listened to some authors read passages from their own books, I think sometimes authors are not the best person to narrate their own books. Mm -hmm. um, I think you really have to be a very... Uh, reader to do a book justice, and particularly a book like this. So this book is The Trauma Cleaner by Sarah Krasnerstein. And we're going to go see her speak tomorrow morning because I think you just picked up tickets. I did, yeah. I, I was thinking about it last week and I just put it off because I want to go um, to the art gallery. Um, but then after getting so far into the book, I thought I can't not go and hear her talk. Oh, yeah. That's fascinating. Yeah. So which yeah. art gallery are you going to go to? Is that part of the yeah. Sydney Writers Festival? Or the Biennale one. So there's an exhibition on at the, at the art gallery as well. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Side note. Side note. Yeah, that sounds good. Um, so the Trauma Cleaner uh, is a non-fiction book. It's a biography about a transgender woman who is also a, well, she calls herself a trauma cleaner, but basically the um, her business cleans up um, houses 
that include anything from a murder scene, um, somebody who's died and hasn't been found for a long time, um, uh, what do they call it, like a hoarding situation, yeah. like animal hoarding or just general hoarding, and mostly to do with very traumatic things, and it's just an excellent book, isn't it? I think it won the Victorian Premier's Award this one. Yeah, yeah. Did you find that you, it was something you could read in one session, or did you find it Gala, like 
foreground campaign kind of thing. It looks like it only goes for an hour. And I don't know if, um, you know, I mean, when, it, when I'm booking events, one thing that I'm always very interested to know is like how many free snacks are going to be provided. Where's the cheese and the Where wine? Where is the cheese and the wine? Yeah. I looked at the um, list of people who were on that and I kind of thought it might be the panel. But maybe I'm I think it, no, it, I think it is maybe going to be more of a panel, but I'm interested to see how exactly the girl of this is being. Yeah. Um, so who else, who else are you going to go see? Okay, so tonight I have tickets to see Eileen Miles, who is an American poet, and she's one of my heroes, and I'm very excited to see her. Yep. Um, and then Gator Page tonight is the other one that we're going to That's right, so I am going to that as well. So she's on that panel. Oh, good. Yeah. Oh, good. Yeah. So I'll get so to see her you tonight. to see her soon. Yes. yes. Um, and then I managed to get tickets to book with, with Annabelle Crabbe and Yes, that's right. I, I was too slow and it was sold out, um, but that's okay. I have seen Annabelle Crabs previously, but that'll be really fun. I hope so. Um, are you seeing, I mean, I thought you were seeing maybe another event on Sunday. Oh, there's another, it's actually a free event that I couldn't, it was the one that I was talking about that I thought I needed to get tickets to, but um, it's another free, it's a free event with, uh, with Arlene Miles now. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, coming up with weird panels. Really? Okay. Yeah. So we've got a lot on. Yeah. Yeah. Um, obviously, you know, you have to party after. Oh, have to party after. Have to party. Oh, party, after. Have to party. Oh. And recap. So, so Kendall and I, we're, we're, we're about to let you go at the moment, but we'll be touching base, I think, maybe around the end of every day and, and do a bit of a sum up of what we've seen or what we thought. You know, any books we bought or merch we got or you know, any gossip we heard, any controversy. There might be a bit of, there's always a bit of controversy at the Sydney Writers Festival, isn't there? Oh, but there has to be. Like, yeah. Is it a Sydney Writers Festival if there is not one? And it's usually um, like an interviewer making some pretty um, unsavory remarks to a very well known, well regarded author. So I'm sure we'll see a bit of that. I can't wait. Yeah, me neither. Yeah. Alright, well, we will touch base very shortly. Ah, there she is. Hello. Hello. Where are you going? Good. Yeah. We're going back around this way. We okay. just came. Oh, okay. Hopefully, okay. I remember. I remember where we came from. Yeah. I think it was this way. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah. just that uh, Mana's got a bottle of gin. Oh, okay. And we're going back home to drink that. Oh, so. Hashtag. I know. <laughs> Tell me about your event. Okay. So, um, amazing vibe in there. Mm. It's really cool. Um, and remind me who was speaking. Okay, so. It was um, Eileen Miles, who is an American poet, and I mean she writes lots of poetry. Um, she's got some, like over 20 books she's written. Um, oh wow! Okay. Yeah, so quite so, prolific. Yeah, very prolific. Um, and she was in conversation with the dean of social sciences and art from University of Sydney. Yeah, right. Um, and yeah, they just kind of um, went over. Not anything in particular, but more about Eileen in general and her, um, the way that she's kind of progressed over the years and how she has seen her writing change and um, how she has changed, which doesn't seem that much at all. Um, 
And yeah, it was just a really fascinating conversation and, and I'm insight into her and I'm just Oh, oh, she's just amazing. You I look like you are gussy. Because you I got am. a photo with her, didn't you? Yes, I did oh. get a photo. And she's just having a look. And, um, yeah, she just seems like a really lovely, down-to-earth um, human being. And um, she, what I found most interesting was that, um, in a very roundabout way... Um, well, we're just going this way. Okay. So just so, just so the listeners, um, we're just walking from the Sydney train station in Sydney back to Marisville. So I've just come from the town hall and you've come from Carriagworth, yes, haven't you? I've come from yeah, Carriagworth. So we've, yeah. ro- we've rendezvoused. I've braved the public transport system. Kendall has been out on foot and um, and here we are. So, so yeah, keep going. Yeah, and sorry. now I'm now I'm gushing about Ollie Myers. I'm sorry, I will stop soon. Um, oh, no, that's anyway, fine. So she spoke about... Um, oh, and there's an aeroplane. <laughs> oh, <laughs> it's going right over our heads. Can you hear that listeners? I'm sure you can. <laughs> oh. I mean, like wild place to live. Yeah. Oh my god, we just walked past the city. Oh my god. Anyway, as we skirt the rubbish. Digitalized it already. Yeah, yeah. So he speaks to like, I've, well, I've been here all along, guys. Like, welcome to my party type thing. <laughs> and I was like, good oh, on her. That question about. Oh, God, if only we all had that kind of self esteem. And it wasn't even Jesus. It was yeah. more just like, I'm, I'm a person I've always experienced inside my head. This world has always existed. Yeah, right. I've always been here. I think comes across with her writing because she's just so she's just so Eileen. Like she doesn't she doesn't care really. She doesn't care other people. Well she does, but but it, she's just so herself. Yeah. And yeah. Okay. Oh. How was your event? Oh my gosh, my event was so good. We're going down here past the pink house. There were seven speakers, so I'm not going to go through all of them now. Oh my gosh, oh my gosh. some of them were just so good. Um Warwick Thornton was just amazing. But um, so this one, I know I did buy a book, of course. So this one, this book that I bought is by Tayari Jones. And I just want to quickly recap the story that she told because it was such a good story. Anyway, Tayari Jones had published two books. And she's an American, an African-American author. And she's, I think she's also a professor of creative writing. She published two books and she had finished writing her third book and she took it to her publisher and her publisher had bought this software called BookScan where they book, where they scan like an author somehow with their software to determine how many books the author has sold and they decided that her, her first two books hadn't sold enough books so they w- decided not to pursue publishing her third book 
And anyway, the way she told it was like so funny. The way she said bookstan was just really hilarious. Anyway, so so she was really crushed and she went back to teaching and, you know, was pretty down about it. But then she decided that, you know, she'd always taught her students to um, not to not to write what they thought would get published, but to try to get published what they write. Yeah? Mm-hmm. Anyway, yeah. So, so she decided to keep working on her third book and, you know, just keep working on it and see, hopefully, like, she'd just be able to make it really good and somebody would just see it for what it was. And she did. And she took it to all these publishers, but all the other publishers had this software called BookScan. And everyone was like, nah, nah, you don't, you don't sell enough books. So she was pretty down about it. Anyway, so then she got an invitation to go to a writers' festival. And she didn't want to go because she was feeling so down about it, but she looked at the lineup and she was the only African-American woman who had been invited. And so she was like, God, I have to go, otherwise if I don't go, they're not going to invite any other African women. But I have to go. Anyway, so the, she said yes. The writers' festival called her up and they're like, oh, hey, um, do you have any books? Because we tried to find some of your books, but we can't find them. And uh, it turned out that not only had her publishers not published her third book, but they had then put her first two books out of print. And so there were no, I know, you should see Kendall White just right now. Wow. Um, and so, so she had no, but she was like, well, that's terrible. I'm going to turn up and I'll have no books to sign. Anyways, so, so um, the publisher, the people from the Writers' Festival called and they're like, look, we've managed to find four of your books. And it turned out her dad had sent two, the two copies that he had and then had gone to her uncle who had two more copies and they were the only copies that like anyone could, could find like four copies of her book anyway she's like dad what am i going to do when i run out of these four books and her dad's like oh you know like if you when you run out just say you've sold out you know like oh i'm i'm sorry i've, I've sold out of all my books sorry airplane model punchlines going don't worry there's more punchlines anyway so She's like, oh, okay, I, I guess so, you know, and like, she goes to the festival, four people buy her book, she finds a book, and then this person comes up and is like, oh, can I grab a book? And she's like, oh, no, sorry, I've sold out. <laughs> and the woman is like, actually, I've heard a rumor that your books are out of print and that you can't get anybody to publish your third book. And she was so embarrassed. She's like, oh, my God, yes, oh, my God, like, I'm, ugh. And she felt terrible and the woman's like, no, no, just come with me and grabs her hand and drags her, you know, across the foyer and puts her hand literally in the hand of a publisher and was like, you need to publish her book, she's so talented. And the publisher apparently had been one of the publishers who had said no because they had also put her thing into book scan. And um, anyway, so she's, she's chatting and... The publisher turns to her and is like, oh, how do you know Judy? And she's like, who's, who's Judy? And the publisher's like, Judy Bloom, who just brought you over here? And she turned around and like, Judy Bloom had vanished, vanished into the thin air. And she was like, oh, what did she say? Let me see if I can do this justice. She's like, it was like my nerdy childhood had come to rescue me at my time of greatest need. And, um, and, and Judy Bloom was like, the fairy godmother that she needed anyway so she told that story and i thought that that was super good and everybody else was really good but that one i was just like oh my god and she told it so well so i had to buy 
a copy of the book. And she got published. Obviously, they published her again. Yeah, so she got published by the new publisher. So happy, happy ending. And yes. I have a copy of her book, which I will read. Anyway. Did she sign it? No, they won't get any time. Oh, but maybe she'll be at another yeah. panel because it was just the beginning. Yeah, that's fascinating. Yeah. All right, oh, we're gonna okay. go grab some gin and then we'll check in. <laughs> I think tomorrow. How's yeah, that sound? Yep. Okay. Ah, oh, okay. So we have. Well, I have just stopped to have some breakfast. Um, luckily, I didn't have too much gin, so I was able to have breakfast this morning. But. Um, I ended up accidentally spilling egg all over my skirt and I, I just want to talk about my skirt for a second here because um, my mum got this for me and she said, in, and I quote, only you could wear this skirt Harry and basically it's a, um, how do you describe it? It's sort of like a, like a maroon kind of colour. I, I would call that maroon. Yeah, yeah sure. and then yeah. down the bottom it's got like, the fabric is like the spines of books. Anyway, so I think that's pretty appropriate. It looks fabulous. Oh, thank you. Well, it did look fabulous until I spilled egg all over it, and now it looks a bit dead. <laughs> um, so, Kendall, what events are you going to be seeing today? Okay, so we are on our way to see, first of all, the former cleaner. Um, yeah, well, that's so, number one. Yeah, so and, we, and that's, be, that's Sarah Krasnerstein. I think we were talking about oh. that yesterday in the car. Yep. Um, and then I have a bit of a break after that, and then lease sales um, on Doubt at one. Yep. Um, and then um, Annabelle Crab and Hooking a bit later this afternoon, and then tonight we have Jason Page. Yeah, so yep. I've got a similar but not identical list of events, so um, I'm going to have to duck out early out of Sarah Krasnerstein's event. Um, go see Patrick Ness um, and brave the Sydney public transport system again like I did last night but it's going to be, I think it's going to be a bit tight because Sarah Christenstein finishes at 11, Patrick Ness starts at 11.30 and it apparently takes 40 minutes on the train so <laughs> that's good math Harry they did and look the Sydney Writers Festival did warn me that like that might be a bit tight but like, I really want to see them both speak so I'm just going to have to I'm just gonna have to suck it up, aren't I? Yeah, I'm you just, really are. Yeah, and, um, and stop complaining and stop spilling egg on myself. You gotta make it. You gotta make it to the event. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah. Um, so which event are you looking forward to most today? Most. Okay. I'm looking forward to all of them, actually, and for different reasons. Lee sales. I know you have talked about on doubt before. Which yeah. Which is a fabulous little book. Yeah, it's a very small book that Lee Sales wrote like a while ago, maybe like eight ten, years ago. I think it was the 10 years. <laughs> Is this year 10 years? Mm -hmm. So, and it's sort of about, um, I guess, I guess not all automatically believing everything that you read and hear and, and thinking critically about the media that you're presented with and just is becoming more and more relevant by the second that book, really. Yeah, and I think that's what she said on the re-release as well. It's just, yeah. it's become more, probably more um, relevant today yeah. than it was then. Yeah, absolutely. So that, I'm just really excited. I mean, I love Lisa, so just excited to hear her. And same with um, Book Quiz, because uh, Richard Fyle was on that channel as well. Um, and I would just wrap Annabelle up and take her wherever she wanted to go. Oh, mini book sale! Oh, cute! What did you find? 
So we've, we're just walking along and we've just, um, oh, look at that biography of Stella Miles Franklin. So we've just, um, we're just walking past like a tiny little book sale. There's some really nice stuff in here. Let's come back. Hi. We're gonna have to because I haven't got my ticket and I need yeah, to. Yeah, no, my we ticket. do have to go. Oh okay, no, we're we're getting distracted by books. Oh, first back home. Okay, okay. Oh, that's gorgeous. So we just a like just like a little I wouldn't call it a yard sale, I'd call it like a like a footpath sale. Anyway, speaking of sales, um, we sales, and then, oh, you're on to Annabelle Crab, sorry, yes, sorry. Yes, and then, oh, I'm just excited for more, can you, what are you most excited about? I think I'm, just because it's so fresh in my mind, I think I'm most excited about Patrick Ness. Yep. Um, just because his books are just so beautifully written, and he's doing a, a panel on writing young adult fiction, and I'm just really interested to, like, hear a little bit more about the thought that he puts to into the choices you make when you're writing. Yep. Um, so, so yeah, all right, well, let's wrap it up and then we'll touch back base um, later on this evening. Okay, then. On platform four goes to Richmond via Parramatta. First stop, Strathfield, then Lidcombe, Parramatta. Okay, so I've just left Kendall behind at Sarah Krasnerstein's event. Uh, with a copy of her book, The Trauma Cleaner, to try and get signed for me a bit. I feel a bit bad because uh, there were a lot of people in that event. Anyway, so I've just managed to uh, catch an Uber to Redstone Station, um, even though I put the wrong station, I put Newtown Station in, uh, and nearly ended up having to take two trains, but I'm on my way to Patrick Ness, and fingers crossed I'm not too late. Alright, so we've just come out of the Lee Sales event, which I missed probably about 50 minutes off <laughs> of the hour event. Anyway, so um, let's, maybe let's let's recap, Kendall. Uh, okay, where did we where did we leave off? Um, uh, I think morning. we we split we parted ways after Sarah Krasnerstein. So do you want to just um, like just fill us in what happened? Yeah. Oh, event? sure. Okay, so. Um, Sarah was fabulous. That was um, a really interesting discussion, I thought. Um, so, shall I talk about after the event? Yeah. Okay. So, this is what I'm waiting to hear. Okay. So, Harry had to leave about about 10 minutes ago when they started questions. So, um, uh, I got a book to go and get signed. And um, so what's happened is I've just gone to line up like normal. Yeah. And I've gotten to the front desk and obviously I had to write your name on the, that little on the little post set. Yeah. So we're just going past like it. Yeah, we're just walking past the band practice at Sydney Uni or something. Anyway, so yeah, okay, so, so you wrote my name on a yep, post-it. So I've written on a post-it and then I've got to the front and she's opened the book and she's read your name and and I was like, yeah, it's Welsh. <laughs> and then she goes, no. She's like, are you from Canberra? I'm like, yes. And she goes, oh, I like, I know her. And I was like, oh my gosh, you remember? Um, you remember from Canberra? And and she's yeah. So she did, and um, yeah. She said to give you um a big hug. Oh, what a sweet to say hello. Oh, she's so and, lovely. Um, I'm so glad I made the beginning of her event. Yeah, oh, that's fabulous. And then you had a bit of a break, didn't you? Yeah. So and then, because then because yeah, I, I so I had to get from carriage work 
which is like what next to I don't know, it's sort of next to Redstone, isn't it? Yeah. Um, and and get from Carriage Works all the way to Parramatta. And look, I don't know Sydney very well, but you know, it was it was a bit of a hike, and I had been pre-warned by the event organisers that it would be a bit of a hike, but. I desperately wanted to see Patrick's nest. Anyway, so um, I had to catch an Uber to get to the train station because the walk, I just wasn't going to make it in enough time if I walked. And um, and I put the wrong station in the Uber app. So, so I'm like, we've like just left and I'm like, oh no, I'm so sorry, I have to change the station. He's like, that's fine. He was really nice. And then, so I caught the train and then I caught another Uber from Riverside theatres because that was another like 20 minute walk as well and then so uh, my uber driver yeah. I'm following the map and he just like drove away <laughs> he just he, he came near me but didn't come on my street and just oh drove away gosh. without me I was so I'm like oh my god but anyway I managed to make it in time um I had to pick up my tickets I've got got a couple of Ang Harrod name stories actually to share with you <laughs> Great. so I go to pick up my tickets and uh the woman at the box office I was like, oh yeah, here you go, Ang Harrod. And she said my name flawlessly, and I was like, oh my god. <laughs> and uh, and she was like, oh yeah, yeah. I had a, you know, a colleague who was called Ang Harrod, and it took me six months to learn how to say her name correctly. Wow. So I was super chuffed. And then um, after the event, which was like amazing, the they were really, oh, you know, Patrick Ness is just a genius, and the um, guy that he was with, I think his name is Jesse Andrews, and he wrote. Um, me, Earl and the Dying Girl, which has also been turned into a film, I think, or a TV show. Anyway, um, they were amazing, but the line to get books signed by Patrick Ness afterwards was out of control. And so many people had like a stack of six books. So it was just taking forever, but, but it was all worth it because I, I've got up to, I got up to him in the line and also had written my name on a post-it in the book, so, you know, he yeah, he could spell it correctly because you know there are a lot of A's in my name and it's hard to spell. I I, am, I do appreciate that, but anyway, so he looks at my name and he's like, oh, Ang Harrod, and um and he's like, I've got a character name Ang Harrod in my trilogy. Have you read that? I was like, no. Exactly. <laughs> do you know what his character is? What? A talking horse. <laughs> Get out. A talking horse in his trilogy. And so I was like, I haven't read that one. I've read like I've read Release and I've read some of those so Lupio, but I had not read that one. Anyway, so yeah. Um with a new character, talking horse. That's there you go. Yeah, so I mean every time I get books signed I always secretly hope somebody will name a character after them, after me. It has never happened to me before that I've gotten a book signed and someone has already had a character with the name Ankara that I didn't know about, so I was over the moon. But yeah, then I had to come back to the Lee Sales event because um that was back uh you know, even suburbs. You have been all over the place. I've been today. all over Sydney today. I've got blisters on my feet. Oh. I'm just like, oh, but you know, we're, we're gonna power through. Yep. We've got two more events this afternoon. But I had a ticket to the Lee Sales event, and I just, between lining up and having to train back at Uber and blah, um, I only made it back for the last ten minutes. So how was it? Okay, so quickly because we're actually nearly there. Um, um, Yeah, exactly. Um, 
Oh, well, as always, she was amazing. So she spoke about um, oh, such a broad range of topics. Um, about the importance of evidence in journalism. Oh, yeah. Yep, they spoke about credibility. Yeah, um, okay. So... Because she was being interviewed by a Julia Baird. She was, yeah. yes. And I actually, I don't think I'd read that, so that was a pleasant oh, surprise. okay. Because I, I knew, because we've seen her um, yeah. talk about her own book before, yes. actually. So. Yeah, yeah. Um, they She's spoke, very good. Yeah, and she was great. And obviously, because they're friends, it makes such a... Oh, I didn't realise they were friends. That's yeah. So it makes a, make, that makes a difference as well. Um, so, yeah, they, they, I guess it was about having rigour in basically anything that you do. They spoke about the detail that they have to go into, that she goes into with every interview, yeah. and the process that she goes through um, to make sure that I guess that she's so well prepared for the interview. And then basically said, you know, but sometimes I go into the interview and I just have to throw it all away because they go on a different track. Yeah, right. So you have to be prepared, but you also have to be flexible. Yeah, yeah. So broad range, but she was fabulous and had some she, really the, awesome The round impacts. of applause at the end is like pretty extraordinary. Yes, yes. So um, what, did you get there for the questions? Is I, that... I got there for a couple of questions. So I heard the one about um, what would she ask Trump? Oh, yeah. and, uh, and just sort of like how would she prepare for an interview with Trump? And that was quite interesting actually, sort of getting a little bit of insight. She didn't really like give, like, she wasn't able to really articulate how she'd approach it because she hadn't done the prep work, but it was interesting get a bit of insight into how she would do the prep work yes. and um, and how she does that. So yeah, alright, so we've got a couple more events this afternoon, so we might touch base again um, in a couple of hours. Okay, brilliant. Okay, so we're just about to go into another event, but we've got a few minutes, so we're just recapping a couple of things that have happened. We'll do, I think we'll do a bigger recap later on. Yeah. yeah. Um, anyway, so Kendall went to an event uh, just before, and it was called Book Wheels with Annabelle Crabb and some special guests. Yeah. Like, who turned up? So, Tim Minchin came on I stage. I can't believe it, it. And it was totally unexpected. And I didn't realize, I thought it might have been the case, but Julia Zamira was also on the panel. And obviously, she took the title from Rock Queen. Yeah. 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 So, um, so, it was fabulous to have her on there. So yeah, anyway. Yeah, so, um, and also Richard Feidler was on the panel. Richard Feidler and, and Lee Sales. Yeah, so we're just yep. standing at the bookshop, like just at the big bookshop area um, before we go into our next event. And um, anyway, I've, my, my partner made a comment about, um, Kendall got very kindly got one of my books signed, and my partner made a comment about a friend of ours who double dog ears <laughs> his book because Kendall was oh, being so careful to keep my book pristine. Anyway, so apparently Richard Feidler has some interesting things to say about dog earrings. Okay, so Richard Feidler has just uh, all recently released a book, um, Ghost Empire. And, uh, I think his new one was Cyberland, is that not right? Oh, actually his new new one is Cyberland, but that's with Harry Yes. So okay, yeah, okay. just his book is, is Ghost Empire. Um, and he said that whenever he sees somebody or yeah, whenever somebody dog ears his pages, it's like a slap in the face to him. And um, being a 
prolific dog era. Self-confessed prolific dog era. Yeah, but the panel was conflicted because... Well, the way, sorry, just, yeah. uh, just cut yeah, in. Yeah. And what did Richard Feidler do if he ever sees somebody dog earing pages of his book? Okay, so what he said was that he carries bookmarks in his bag. Yeah. So whenever he sees somebody dog earing his book, he will, he will rush at them and thrust a bookmark in their hand. Okay, so I'm not that extreme. I would just like to put that out there. I'm not that extreme. Anyway, sorry. Um, yeah. yeah, the panel was conflicted though. Yeah, and so what did Tim Minton think? Okay, so Tim Minton said that he would he treats books like a musical instrument, which um, basically just the more worn they are, the more loved they are. So for him, yeah, Jogia the book, and same for Julia Zamiro, she pulled out one of her um, most read books that she always goes back to and it was like Annabelle Crabb said um, oh this is one of those books that you picked up and you're really tired and you only get through two pages because it was like jogging <laughs> all the way through <laughs> so yeah she was just a yeah the more worn the book the better love whereas for you well so yeah and I would like to I would like to just take a moment to say I definitely never dog it my book but it's not because I think that a book is like a sacred object and should be like treated with utmost respect. Um, I guess for me, having a, my books, I like they're mine, but I don't consider them to be just mine. I, I think about them as being like, well, maybe I'd lend this out, or maybe I might have kids or um, you know nieces or nephews that I'd like to lend them out to, or give them to, or give them to, and. Um, that's the bell we're going to be going in in a second, so I'll just wrap this up. But I think in my in my mind, if well, every time you dog ear a page, you, you damage the book a bit, and you make it a little bit more difficult for somebody else to read the book. And if, if you want to keep a book that's dusty yourself, and you want to trash it, like say for example, every copy of Watership Down I've ever had that's like fallen apart because the you know the old um, 1970s penguin paperbacks they just aren't really up to much rigorous reading but I, yeah I think that's I think that's why I think like if I boil it down why don't I like to dog in my books I like to preserve the books so that somebody else could maybe enjoy it at another time and if somebody gives you a copy of their book and it's like highlighted and got notes in the margins and dogged and stuff like that like yeah that's obviously like kind of a sweet insight into that person but that changes your reading of the book and you don't get to go in fresh eyed and read the book and so by keeping a book pristine it's not so much about the book it's about keeping the next person's experience of that book pristine okay so you're already thinking ahead of somebody else reading this book when you're reading the book uh, no I, I don't think it's so active about that but i think that's I think that's probably at the heart of it why, I, and why I like typically, you know, and I don't, I'm not super good at remembering to use the bookmarks, so I just try and remember the page number, or, you know, if I'm like, you, and I use all kinds of ridiculous things with bookmarks, like TV remotes and my mobile phone, you know, yep. <laughs> like I just yep. stick whatever in, but, but I think that's the crux of it, like I don't, the more damage I do to a book, the more difficult I make it for somebody else to have a, like that, that fresh experience of the book. That's an interesting perspective. We should talk more about that because there's more to that story from the panel about what they spoke in regards to um, kind of preservation of books. And oh, okay. All right. Well, we'll continue. We'll leave that there, and then we'll I think maybe sum up the rest of the day when we get back. Okay, we'll be back shortly.
All right, so we finished our last event for the day, and that was Gay for Pays. Um, but we might just uh, touch base on some of the other things that happened today. So I think um, where we really, really left off was after the Lee Sales event. And then um, we walked back over to Carriageworks, and I uh, went to the Recognize event, which had, uh, now let me see if I can remember, it had Stan Grant, Nakia Bluey, I think, and then Marcia Langdon. Over there. Anyway, so um, that was amazing. Uh, it was just so... Because, you know, Stan Grant, obviously, he's a very well-known journalist. He's very analytical. He's very across lots of, um, you know, academic understandings of democracy. And he had some really interesting takes on how race is like race is a construct, everybody always says that, but he's like even engaging in debates with race is very difficult because it's a construct that when you're responding to it, he was talking about like like instead of a witch hunt, he was talking about this um, race hunt and like and you, you, you're forced to participate even if you don't agree that it should be considered that way. Yeah. And um, yeah, it was just, a, it was such a, it was such a very intelligent event. It was really, really quite spectacular. Anyway, and then um, I took a bit of a break and charged my phone, and you, Kendall, yes. went to go see Bookwiz. So do you want to just give us a bit of a rundown of how that went? Yeah, so it was um, hosted by Annabelle Crabb, and yep. basically it was just um, her asking the panel, which was you mentioned before, so it was um, Julia De Niro, um, Lee Sales, and Richard Feidler, and then Tim Minchin came out. Surprise so, guest, Tim Minchin! Yeah. And because I was sitting outside having a hot chocolate, charging my phone, and just people kept screaming, and I'm like, what is going on in there? <laughs> Probably that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, so basically she just ran through a list of questions, which were... Um, quite interesting question. So one was about, yeah, um, dog-earing the pages and marking books. Um, uh, another was about books, like rereading books. Do they reread books and do books? Tim Minchin, I think, was the only one who said he doesn't really, he doesn't really reread books. Um, do you reread books? No, I don't think you either. I will reread if I'm going through like a particular, I don't know, experience where I need to go back and remind myself what's important. The only thing that I will probably go back to is probably Orlando. Yeah, think, right. Yeah, just because I think... By Virginia Woolf, for yeah, those listening. Sorry, by Virginia Woolf, yeah. I think because I read it at a particular period in time or the letters of Virginia Sacha, oh, sorry, Vita Sacha West and Virginia Woolf, like they're probably the two things I'd just, just to kind of, do you yeah. think do you think going back and rereading them you get new things out of it? I think if you reread the whole book, which I, which I don't know if I've actually done. I don't think I've read the whole book. Um, yeah, you probably would. And that was another thing that they talked about, which was um, Richard Feidler in particular said that he always um, got new things from Wuthering Heights was one. Oh um, yeah, that it just spoke to him in different ways. Yeah. yeah. What about you? What books do you? Yeah. Look, I have to say, so I started. Um, I started changing the way that I read 
a few years ago. And um, when I was young, I used to reread books all the time and I would read multiple books at the same time and I'd have, you know, three books on the go, four books on the go. And a few years ago, I think, I think probably around the time that I started doing my book blog, I decided to um, just read one book at a time and give each book 100% of my attention. And I actually have found that in doing that, I have been reading, I've been getting through a lot more books more quickly and I have been, I think, getting more out of each book because I'm just sort of, you know, I'm, part of it is because I'm so focused on the one book, but part of it as well is I'm, I'm very um, motivated to finish the book so I can get to the next book. So I think because, because of that and I think because I'm getting through a lot more books and I'm reading more diversely and I try and set myself reading goals, like I want to read books by more, um, you know, diverse people or by queer people or by you know, people from diverse backgrounds, more women, you know, more non-fiction, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. um, I think that that has impacted how often I reread books. And I think, you know, I mean, say, last year I read 80 books. Um, I think I maybe, like, maybe one or two of those were rereads. So, okay, and yeah. that, was that for a particular reason or you just felt like you needed to... Um, you thought you might get yeah something more out of it. Is yeah, so the one I I think maybe it was just one one that I definitely did reread last year was Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone, and the reason that I reread it was because it was the 20 year anniversary, and um, I really wanted to yeah I mean I you know I read it heaps and heaps and heaps of times when I was a kid, so I don't know that I'd ever like sat down and read it again as an adult, and I wanted to I wanted to give it another go and. Um, you know, like, Bloomsbury had published a new edition that's got, like, you know, it's a very pretty edition. It, it comes in Hogwarts colours, you know, you can get one to your house colours. But then also they they published the illustrated edition of Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone a couple of years ago. So I sort of, like, had maybe three editions on the table, looking through them all and, like, having a crack at it. Cause the Hufflepuff edition had like extra information but the illustrated edition had illustrations so that was kind of like I was getting more out of it because it was a different edition yeah. but also yeah it was just kind of a bit it was interesting going back and looking at it critically after thinking critically about some books for such a long time and being like you know what actually is the quality of the writing or you know how how interesting is the story anyway so I, I recently reread another book. Um, I did like a special Easter review of one of my favorite bunny books when I was growing up, um, which is this fabulous book called The Velveteen Rabbit. Have you ever read that one? I haven't read it. Oh, uh, so it's just this wonderful story. I can't even remember the name of the author. It's a wonderful story about a soft toy rabbit. Um, he belongs to this boy and he wants to be loved and he wants to be a real rabbit. And it's just, I remember thinking it was delightful when I was a kid and you know I was a bit apprehensive about rereading it as an adult because sometimes when you reread those old classics you're like oh that's actually really sexist or oh that's a lot of racism you know and so that can be a bit like it can kind of ruin it a little bit I read this book and it was just perfect it was exactly as good as I'd remembered it if, if not better and it like 
yeah, so I don't know. I, occasionally I will reread a book if I've got a reason these days, but they're very infrequently. Okay. Yeah, it's always a risk. It's like um, going back to a place that you've been before and you were a certain person then, and then you go back and read it again, and potentially it might take away from that first experience that you've had with it. Yeah. So, yeah, it's always a risk. Yeah, yeah. I, I was just thinking what else they... Um, on the panel, what else they discussed? Um, there were a few other things that kind of came up. One was kind oh, of what's your, guilty, what's your guilty reading pleasure? Yeah, like right. Your, like, what trashy books will you go back and and read? Um, which was interesting. And the other one was like organising books. So, how do they organise books? And um, Richard Fiber is very specific. He has like shelves of, um, you know. I wanted to say like basically like Roman history, Greek history, or history, and then they're all kind of cut into sections. Yeah, or the decimal system. Or something crazy like that. <laughs> and um, and a girl crab she actually used to organise her books in the order that she read them. Oh, that's interesting. So she would have, you know, so she would know. Well, at a certain that's point, very nice bookmobile, isn't it? It is. It is. Yeah. I've never even thought of that. I wonder if she's read that. Mm. Mm. But then somebody came in and very helpfully um, arranged her bookshelves to help us sort it out. Oh no. Yeah. So I gone. think I yeah. think that that is a big social faux pas. Rearranging somebody's bookshelves for them. Like, how dare you presume to know how I want my bookshelves organised? Harry friendship kind of okay. No, no, no. Again, we've got to reset this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I thought the same thing. I almost gasped. I was like, mm, and to rearrange no. Annabelle Crabbe's book? Like, how presumptuous is that? Yeah. Oh my yeah. god. Totally. So, that, so that sounds like it was a really good one. Yeah, so it was a, again, it was a great panel. It was a really good selection of panels as well. I think they all kind of, they just worked well together. So yeah. It was a very lively discussion. So that was great. And what did you think of our last panel? So we just, the one that we just went to go see was Gay for Paid. Now, let me see if I can remember all the people who were on the panel. You might do a bit of a better job than me. I, okay, I'm, I, I know Matthew Geeson. Um, yeah. And there was Christoph. Uh, I think is how you talk Yeah, he's so he's the one who wrote um Barracuda uh, and that other the flat, that's right, that's what he wrote. Yeah. That's he's very famous for that one. Um, um and then there was Eileen. Yep, Eileen Miles. Miles, um oh, I can't remember the name the host was the woman who um she's like head of the get up campaign last year and now she's like I don't know. CEO of Change.org in Australia or something like that. Anyway, so quite an like quite an impressive um, an impressive panel. And there was one author from the UK, um, or one author, another author from America. Um, and I thought like actually quite impressive in terms of diversity of queerness as well. Yes, totally. You I know? agree. In age, like and age, diversity of age, diversity yeah. of queerness, diversity of writers, like the kind of writing that they do. Agreed. Um, yeah, I thought it was really interesting. About half of the panel, they were just talking about the books that they had read as kids that had really influenced them and made a big impact on them. And it was interesting that a lot of the books actually were not necessarily queer books at all. 
but they had read a lot of queerness into the book. Yes. And um, yeah, I would, what did you think? What was your favourite part? Oh, favourite part? Look, I guess um, I guess it was a bit of a different experience for me having kind of you know recently come out. Um, I connected a lot with the two younger authors who said that um, Jeanette Winterson was yeah. a big influence. Um, because she was, um, you know, she was a big influence on me as well, and I and I really, um, it, it felt like home to do that panel. It was really odd. Oh, that's lovely. Yeah, that's lovely. Really yeah. It's pretty packed out audience as well. A very engaged yeah. audience. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and and I think also Eileen Miles touched on an, on another point, which she always does. Um, I'm just gonna ramble about her forever. No, no, no. go for it. Um, about um, not she doesn't really like the term non-binary, but but about guests um androgyny or 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 just, just kind of cutting past gender in a sense as well. Yeah, like subverting gender. Yeah. Almost, you know. Yeah. Yeah. She told a very interesting story about this book that she had read as a kid, like a picture book about a dog that was like Scruffy the Sailor Dog or something like that. And um, Scruffy the Sailor Dog wore like a stripy shirt and he lived by himself on a boat. And um, what did she say? She was like, and just went and traveled around the world and like bought weird shoes from markets. And she was like, it's, you know, this book is so erotic to me. Like, I think, I think the idea of, um, I think Eileen's idea of, you know, being able to kind of be 100% yourself, completely free of the constraints of society, you know. And the, yeah, I, th- yes. I thought, yeah, I thought that was like quite a, quite a fun story. Yeah, and she's she's so, I mean, she's so herself. I forgot, well, she's so herself that that she she just comes out with these stories, and and I guess you do read certain things into certain people or characters or books that you kind of are just kind of yearning to hear. I think, yeah. Um, yeah. Also, I was just thinking Massa had an interesting take because I think coming from Russia, obviously her um, her perception would be different from um, you know all the others were, were British, American, Australian. Yeah. And her, she kind of got a bit. Some of the questions that were raised, she uh, didn't really answer because she didn't agree with the statement. Yeah, I thought I actually found her um, a bit more touchy on this panel um, compared to the panel that I think are we going yeah. yeah compared to the panel that I saw her on on Friday oh, and really? yeah oh, I, okay. I, I I thought I thought she was a little bit more maybe because maybe because um, you know everybody else on the panel was like engaged. Uh, no, no, no. That's uh, not quite that. I think everybody else on the panel was from either America, Australia, or the UK, and the panel was more ethnically diverse than that. But in terms of, you know, um, language spoken at home, everybody else was from the English-speaking, you know, Anglo country, yeah. basically. Yeah. Um, and I felt like perhaps Marsha was getting sent the questions that were about queerness in a non-Anglo context. And I think that perhaps Martha was not. Uh, it, like, like I could, I, I could kind of see that maybe she didn't really want to be singled out that way to be able have to answer on behalf of the whole world, basically the whole non-English speaking world. But 
I did think that oh, Marsha did get one question about what um, books did you read when you were a kid that you really resonated with you and Marsha said well when I was a kid all the books I read were in Russian so Russian language books so I'm not gonna talk about that and I actually was really disappointed I would have actually really have liked to have known what kind of books Marsha had been reading and what kind of what, you know I just I, I mean I, I try to read more diversely but I don't have any idea what Russian children's literature is like you know of course yes yeah, so you can I, I just thought, I thought that with, with that question, Martha just seemed a little, like, like a little closed off, okay, and then didn't really seem to want to engage with the audience question, which was, you know, how can, and, and the, the question from the audience was basically, how can queer people in Australia help to further queer movements and assist queer people overseas? I think I think Martha took issue with the question, but then made a very good point that the way that queer people can help and the way that Australians can help is to better support refugee rights in Australia. I thought it was a very um, a very fair comment to make. Yeah. yeah. What What do you think? Yeah. No. I I agree. Yeah. Uh, I kind of agree. Um. So. I found her a little bit, uh, I think she probably could have answered the question a little less bluntly than what she did, but um, I, I, I don't think she was very interested in having that question directed to her. No, I think that was the that was the sense that I got. Yeah, probably just fair enough. And, yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. So, <laughs> but anyway, I, I thought she was very good, um, and then she. To her on the panel because she gave just some perspective compared to what the other panelists think. So, yeah, that's great. Right. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so look, I, we're about to, I think, wrap it up for tonight. It's been a bit of a big day. I've been all across the city. Yeah. You've walked all across the city. Yeah. Um, you know, we've had to deal with like a couple of setbacks, you know, key not working, egg on my skirt, <laughs> telling the selling the Uber driver the wrong station, you know, getting to the lease sales event with only like 10 minutes left. Actually, um, you're the one who got all the drama. You're the one who's Oh, I have, it's still been so much drama, but you know, but it's, it's, it's fine because the events have just been really quite spectacular. Yeah, yeah. So, um, we've got a couple more. I've got two more ticketed ones tomorrow. Right. Um, I've got a toxic masculinity one and I've got um, a growing up Aboriginal one. And you're going to um, a couple of unticketed ones. Yeah, and you know, I can't even remember the name of them at the moment, so I'll have to look them up when it's we get back. It's been a long day, but so we'll check in again tomorrow yes. for the final day of the Sydney yeah. Writers Festival. It's been an adventure so far, it has. hasn't it? Can you just tell me, can you just tell me what your highlight of the day has been? Oh, my highlight of the day? I think, <laughs> I think Patrick Ness telling me that he has a talking horse named after me in one of his books. I think that probably took the, that was probably, yeah, okay, the highlight. Okay, that's great. Okay. <laughs> I, like, you know, I think my, some of my favourite things to happen is, this, is the unexpected, was not expecting there to be a horse character that talks called Lang Harry. In, in, uh, just, I loved it, loved it, absolutely loved it. Um, how about you, what was your highlight? 
book recommendations. I tried to write down as many as I could, so I will try to stick them in the show notes. Um, they, they won't be, you know, exhaustive, because I'm sure there were plenty that I didn't catch, but I'll do. There were a lot, but if you're interested to, you know, diversify your reading, check out the show notes. I'll have a list of all the ones that I could remember and type down in time. All right, well, we will check in tomorrow. Okay, sorry, Kendall, I just keep forgetting to tell you this piece of gossip that I completely forgot to tell you that I found out when I was on the train. Okay. Um, so, this author called Yuno Diaz uh, was speaking at an event on Friday, and somebody stood up in the audience. Um, he'd apparently written a book about being sexually abused as a child. Somebody stood up in the audience and was like, you know, you're talking about being sexually abused as a child. Why is it then that you sexually harassed me six years ago at uni? I know, Whoa. I know. And so, like, he's, he had an event tomorrow and he's been, the event's been cancelled. He's been, like, taken out of the festival. Yeah. We knew there was going to be drama. I know, I know. I did say that there was going to be drama. Yeah, I mean, how about that? Um, but you know, I mean, everybody's been talking about the Me Too movement, but like standing up in a like it was like I don't know, like 3 p.m. on Friday afternoon, standing up in a panel and just saying, um, you know, basically looking your abuser in the eye and being like, well, you know, you write about all this empathy and stuff. Where was your empathy? Wow, that is. How hectic is that? Yes, that is hectic. Oh, okay, that's pure drama. Yeah, so he's, so he's, um, uh, he's publicly acknowledged it as well. And, uh, yeah, withdrawn from his event tomorrow and Sunday. So, um, there we go. I hope justice is served in this case. That's all I have to say. Yeah, yep, exactly. All right. Well, no worries. We'll touch base again tomorrow. Okay, so Kendall's just met me back at Carriageworks. I've just walked back from the Seymour Centre. I think that's what it's called. It is called that. Oh, good. And yeah, so last day of the festival. Um, I, I only went to two events today, so a bit more relaxing for me. Um, did you end up going to anyone? You didn't have any ticketed ones. Yeah, so I didn't have any ticketed um, events, but I did get back just in time to see... Um, Eileen do a uh, lecture which was called Straight Expectations, um, which was really good. That, that was just in the open section down there. Oh, right. Okay, yeah, good. So it was a curiosity lecture. Yeah. Yeah, was it good? Yeah, it was. It was very characteristic Eileen. Um, yep. And yeah, so she just spoke about how women are expected to write or how she has been asked a lot in the past few years since she's become what she's become famous, um, to write about her age um, and to write about gender issues kind of. Yeah. Whereas um, so her, the premise of it, I guess, is that men don't get to ask, don't get asked to write about the type of things that women do as women age. Yeah. 
Yes. Which I guess is further complicated by um, Eileen's sort of non-gender conforming identity as well, I guess. Correct. Yeah, yes. And and at the end, I, I'll just give us kind of, I guess it's almost like a, a summary. Um, in the question time, there was only uh, one question by a man and, and his, um, the question that he asked was, um, do you research the antithesis of your belief system? And her immediate response was, I live in the antithesis of my belief system. Yeah, right. And I just thought that was such a brilliant summary of God. Kind of everything that she was saying. Huh. Yeah, I mean, she's friends. Because you saw her three times this weekend, didn't you? Oh, I did. Was that enough time? No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Not enough time. No, never enough. Oh my god. Um, oh, well, look, speaking yeah. about gender identity, mm. so the first event that I went to today this morning was um, about toxic masculinity. And so there were two authors, and um, my listeners will have to forgive me. The first one, his name is Gabriel Talent, and he's just written a book that's about sort of. Uh, a father and a teenage daughter, and the father is very abusive towards the teenage daughter, and um, it's, it's quite like heavy going. Anyway, so um, but the interesting thing, thing about Gabriel, because there were a lot of questions coming from the audience about, well, you know, how did you become a feminist, and how do you like, where did you, even actually the other panelist, her name was Kara Gwynn, I can't remember what her surname is, so I'll link it later, but um was asking, you know, I've got two boys, how do I raise them to be like you, basically? And he was raised by um, a lesbian couple, his parents are both women, and um, one of them, I think, he said, lectured on gender studies at Stanford University, <laughs> so he's like, that's probably why. <laughs> I mean, that's a good start, you know. Yeah, it's a good start. It's a good start. Yeah. So that was, um, right. yeah, that was really interesting because even though, like, it was sort of, he was talking a lot about how, um, Toxic masculinity is like harmful to men, as, as like it, he, he, he described it as it ruins men, yep. which I thought was really interesting. And um, a couple of people tried to ask him to talk about the Me Too movement, and I liked his response because he was like, I don't feel comfortable talking about that because I feel like it's my role to actually listen and not contribute. Like, yeah. So I thought that was quite that was quite good. But um, so and I had a bit of a break and and just. Had a bit of a read, had a coffee, went out to lunch with a friend, and then I came back to the last event. And I have to say, like, I'm kind of reeling a bit from it. So the panel was um, growing up Aboriginal in Australia. The um, panel was hosted by Dr. Anita Heist, who is an Aboriginal author who writes a lot of fiction and non-fiction, and um, she's really, I've seen her speak before, and she's very, very smart. And she um, has published this anthology of 52 stories, all non-fiction stories contributed by Aboriginal people around the country, yep. and the other three women on the panel were all Aboriginal women who were contributors to the book. And I mean, it felt like the, the whole panel and the discussion was just, you know, brilliant, like lots of themes coming out, but the ending, like, I'm still feeling a little bit almost in tears, so um, Anita said, like, instead of doing questions, what I'm going to do is I'm going to read a poem from one of the contributors, and um, her name's Alice, and Alice submitted the story to the anthology and then committed suicide shortly afterwards before it was 
published or even the decision had been made to include it. And and she read out the poem and it was just heartbreaking. Like I'm like I'm just yeah. <laughs> Emotionally yeah. It was it was a brilliant poem and I'm yeah. not gonna read it out. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna tell you much about it really because I think everybody should go out and buy this book. Um, and it's got, it, I mean, it really, like, this, this, this book is probably going to be pretty revolutionary, I think, to, get, to be included in school curriculums and stuff like that. It really was, like, such a spectacular panel, but, like, yeah, I was, I was basically in tears by the end of it. It was just so, and, you know, Anita was, like, suicide is such a huge issue for Aboriginal people, and it's, like, you know, she said to some of my friends, the first funeral they ever went to was when Anita's father had died when she was 30. But for her, and for, I think for a lot of Aboriginal people, they're going to funerals all the time because suicide is just such a, like, a huge problem. Yeah. And, um, and like, yeah, you know, when I was lining up to get my book signed, I was sort of flipping through it and looking at the, um, you know, the, and the dedication is for Alice. And her family really wanted the story to be included in the book and were very supportive of the whole publishing process. Yeah. And, um, yeah, she uh, um, dedicated the book to Alice and it was like, Alice was born in the same year that I was born. And like, she's, and I just turned 30 and she didn't make it to 30 and I just think that that's just great. Anyway, so I'm a bit like... That yeah, really, that, that is really intense. And, yeah, I think I think yeah. it was a very heavy note to him end the festival on, but I think it was also, you know, the theme of this festival um, has been power, and like I think that you know a lot of a lot of people who've been talking have been talking about the power of the pen and the power of the word and the power of the written word, and I think that even though it is absolutely 100% a tragedy. I think that there is power from that. And I think the fact that you can have a panel that's for Aboriginal women talking about their lives and you can have a platform for people to hear their stories. Like, I think that, that is power right there. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. Oh, okay. Well, I might, I might leave it there and maybe we'll do one last recap on the way, on the drive home to Canberra. How does that sound? Yeah, that sounds Okay. okay, so we're in the car, heading back back down to Canberra. It's been a huge weekend. It has been a huge weekend, but a good weekend. Oh, brilliant weekend. Brilliant weekend. I feel like I've, you know, walked up and down Sydney. Really, really gotten immersed in a lot of different yeah. um, issues. A lot of, seen a lot of great writers, seen a lot of great talks. Um, what do you think was your highlight for the whole weekend? There were honestly so many. Yeah, um, it's, it's been a bit like that, hasn't it? Yeah, it has been um, really great. I, I'm probably going to hark back to um, Jason Page. The sisters of the panelists on there were fantastic. Um, in terms of comedic quality, I would go with Annabelle Crabs. She was very entertaining yesterday yeah. at Book Quiz. Um, I can't believe that Tim Minton just turned up. Yeah, that was yeah. completely What nice. a fabulous surprise. Yeah, so that was great. And Tim was fantastic. Um, can you give me your highlights? And yeah, I guess for my highlights, I think um, that recognised panel uh, was just, you know, uh, like, 
with my fear and Sam Grant and Tia, it was just like such a concentration of brilliance, you know. But you had, um, you know, a, a deep philosophical discussion about about you know how you can promote minority rights through democracy, um, as opposed to like how you can change hearts and minds through comedy and storytelling. Um, and uh, Marcy was just a phenomenal, um, she was, she was convening and she was just so sharp. And then obviously this event this afternoon, which was like a much more personal event, I think, really, at the end of the day, everybody's sharing their stories, but like just, up, you know, I mean, I'm still reeling from that. So that, that was definitely a highlight. Um, Gay for Page was just fabulous. You know, I thought I just thought it was such a great way to tie queer issues into um, literary issues, and you know, looking at looking at classic literature and modern literature, I just thought that that was really that was really quite brilliant. Um, and just seeing Patrick Ness, like I, it was just such a journey to get all the way all the way out to Parramatta and get my book signed and and have have that you know, and I mean, there's just been so many little bits and pieces and moments moments oh setbacks as well for me <laughs> the entire weekend was i mean like even today you know kendall dropped me off at um uh carriage works and i looked down at my ticket and it said seymour center i thought i'm like oh <laughs> right. i got to the wrong train station today so you oh did you oh so it hasn't days. just been me it just been you i oh was like i got God. off and looked and there's another three days. Oh, good. Anyway, that's all good. good. At least you can get egg on your dress or I anything like that. But it was made up by the fact that, um, you know, people remember your name and Sarah remembered your name. Oh, yeah, that was great. Even though I only, I got to hear that second hand, that was still pretty yeah. great. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's just been, it's just been wild. It's just been like this sort of literary adventure, this kind of like exploration of Sydney. Um, yeah. yeah. Okay, um, are there any books that you are going to go and read now because of the event? Oh yes, so um, I bought two books. Um, yeah, I bought two books. So I bought An American Marriage by Tayari Jones, who I thought was the story that I told, I think, on, from the panel from the first night. And she was talking about how um, uh, book scan lost her book the book, yeah. book scandal almost. Yep, yeah. Yep. How, and so I bought a copy of her book, and um, I'm really interested to read that because, uh, yeah, and it's just it looks like a really interesting story about I guess um, a newlywed couple and the husband gets sent to jail and, and when he gets released, you know, I guess the, the challenges that has on their relationship. And then um, I did. I bought a copy of Growing Up Aboriginal in Australia, so um, which was actually quite cool because they they the three panelists who have their stories and they signed the first page of each of their stories, which was really nice. Instead, so like when I read it, I'll be able to be like, oh yeah, you know, I did meet them, and that's what they said, and that's what they talked about. So that's a great idea. Yeah. Now I know. I, and, and you definitely bought an Eileen Miles book. Of course I did. Did you only buy yes. one? Um, I did. Yeah, I only bought one. Okay. Um, but I will get, I'm going to get her. Um, she's, just released, she's just releasing a new poetry book for the year. So I'll get that. 
well. Yeah, that's exciting. Um, did you buy any other books? Look, I didn't. Um, there were a few from the event last night that I've got written down that I will get, but um, they weren't associated with those authors. They were like references to other books. Yeah, that's so, right. It um, was just a, like it's such a huge reading list. Mm. So um, yeah, like I said in the other. Um, um, last night, I'll, I'll definitely write it down so people can have a look. Yeah. Um, yeah, and do you think, because uh, you've been to the Sydney Writers Festival before, haven't you? I did, I went last year, but this year was, um, uh, I didn't go to as many events last year, I think. Oh, okay. So, and I think I only came down for one day. So, this year was fantastic because it was just nice to be in that environment for a while as well, I think. It was just a nice yeah. vibe there. Um, I yeah. saw so many authors that I knew. Yeah. Um, I saw Kate Forsyth uh, today. I saw this morning. Um, oh, what's his name? He he like won the um, won the Man Book Prize, and he writes with uh, he writes with his daughter. Uh, I can't remember his name. I've seen him speak before. I'll I'll put it in the I'll put it in the show notes. But I saw him I saw him this morning, and um, I'm pretty I'm pretty sure I saw a couple of authors I knew yesterday as well. Yeah, yeah, which is kind of which is kind of funny. After if you're like me and you start going to a lot of author events, um, yeah, you just start recognizing people everywhere. And it's actually really nice to see that authors go to other author events. I think that's really quite heartening. Yeah, absolutely. And I actually, I read a story after this big hullabaloo with the event, um, I think it was Friday night. Oh yeah, what's it, Yano Diaz, I think is his name. Oh, but... no, there was another, <gasps> there was another drama. What other drama? Oh, there was another drama. So at the one with Tracy Spicer at that panel, it was like a Me Too, Me Too kind of special. Yeah. Um, so they, they were basically speaking about why we still need the movement and why the movement is still going. Yeah. And Eva Cox got up was yeah. one thing I was going to say. And I, I didn't actually specifically agree with what I read that she said. Yeah. But anyway, um, at the end of it, apparently a man stood up in front of the stage and yelled um, something along the lines of how many innocent men are going to be brought down by this. Um, oh, by the V2 yeah, movement, yeah, okay. Yeah, and mentioned Jeffrey Rush, I think. Yeah. So, yeah. But Jeffrey Rush, I wouldn't consider, I mean, yes, uh, I, I wouldn't consider Jeffrey Rush to have gone down. Jeffrey Rush has commenced a defamation suit, and, like, that was his life. I don't yeah. know, I don't know that necessarily, like, uh, y- yeah. I think obviously he was just, uh, uh, you know, I just say that because I read that that's what he said. I think, yeah, okay. you know, his premise was more broad than that. Um, but in the newspaper, newspaper article, um, the bottom line was, you know, it took, you know, these women were talking about this for 60 minutes and it took this one man 10 seconds to prove their point. Yeah, right. You know? Yeah, that's, that's so brilliant. brilliant. So what was the response? Was there, like, did anybody in the thing... Um, he got taken out, I believe. Oh, he got removed, did he? Yeah. Yeah, right, okay. Yeah. Um, so which was the bit that you didn't necessarily quite agree with then? So, um, Eva Klopp mentioned... Okay, so I do agree with the premise, which yep. was that we need to educate um, young... We need to educate boys about... Um, oh, I'm trying to think of her words. Um, 
basically we need to give them the skills to not find women as property type that type of thing along okay. those lines and I always think of Roxanne Gay in those situations where it's I agree with it but you know Roxanne Gay says um, when people say how do we include men in feminism it's like well it's not about I don't I don't care what men think about about my feminism. I, yeah. I really don't care because, um, to me, feminism feminism is about working outside the system that's created, working outside patriarchy. And um, to for us to say, well, feminism to me, that's kind of we have to include young boys in that feminism. And I just get a bit funny about that because I think women just need to kind of stand up, and we need to take our and whatever happens as a consequence of that in the system is going to happen. Yeah, so I think that probably ties in uh, to what Gabriel Talent was saying in his panel this afternoon on toxic masculinity and, and people were trying to trying to engage him. Um, like I think two questions tried to like pull him into the Me Too uh, conversation and both times he said I'm not comfortable talking about me too because I think that as a man it's my role to listen but not to take up airtime and I think he was talking about which was why he was um, he was so great at deferring to Keridwin and getting and saying I think Keridwin should answer this question I think Keridwin should answer this question um, and he said that you know um, what he sees the role of men in feminism and in, in his context, I guess, in writing about feminism, because he said mm. that he's, he's not on Twitter and stuff like that. Um, so, you know, kind of scaling it back to the written word, I think he, he sees it as giving um, women and, you know, more uh, people from different backgrounds and, you know, queer people and trans people and, you know, people with disability more airtime to talk about their issues rather than having more, you know, straight white guys talking about feminism. So that's what he was saying. Yeah, yeah, and I completely agree. And I and when you did say that before, I did think of, of Roxane Gay because that's exactly what she says. Um, you know, and I think it's great that he took that stance. Yeah. Um, and that's why yeah. I think it's so important, like this book, Growing Up Aboriginal in Australia, that's why I think it's so important that these books are out there and that you have a panel of four Aboriginal women who are all writers who have all been published in this book um, to get that diversity, to get those voices out there, you know? Like, I think that, I, I think that for a very long time, um, history has been, you know, actually I had a, a, this was another highlight. So I sat down and um, after the toxic masculinity panel, like a coffee and a, and a lemon tart or something. <laughs> and this um, older lady was sitting at a table by herself and there was a spare chair. And I, I sat down with her and um, she was super nice and I was like, oh, can I please sit down? And she was like, yeah, absolutely. And we had a bit of a chat about the festival and she said she had seen a panel about um, these two archaeologists who have been kind of um, using archaeology to develop history about Aboriginal people pre-colonization. And um, she was really, uh, she was really fascinating because she, you know, she must have been at least in her 70s, I think. And she was talking to me about how um, 
she grew up in Sydney and she had this fabulous history teacher who would take her out to the cemetery and who would take her, you know, take her class to all these different places and talk about history that had happened in Sydney. And um, and so I think she was a little bit, you know, because I certainly there was not a lot of Aboriginal history, if any, at all included in my education when I was growing up. And she was sort of, you know, I mean, I think a few people, uh, and, and including a, a Sam Grant, I think a few people have been talking this weekend about um, how history has been dominated by a single voice and, you know, there's, history is it's a contest for who gets to tell their story and there's not always a lot of room for, you know, people on either side of the conflict or people, you know, who've had different experiences to both have those experiences out there. And I think that, um, you know, one one thing that stories like this, like growing up Aboriginal in Australia, it gives, it gives that sort of fresh perspective and historical fiction, I think, is really important um, because it allows the history to be retold and it allows for that gap in the story to be told. And I think, um, you know, tying into, as like, I think that's, I think we're, we're getting a lot closer to having more um, women having their voices heard in writing. I, um, I don't know, if, I, I, I'm not quite sure about the stats, I don't know if we're necessarily at equality yet, but, um, but you know, I think there has to be, yeah, mm. I think that's the thing, yep. there has to be more space for those stories. Absolutely, and I, I, I completely agree, and um, I think what you can see, and even throughout this festival and all that, in, in everything that I'm kind of recollecting about it, there's a tie, like as soon as you, as soon as you open up the floor for people to tell their stories that connects with somebody and once you have that connection through books like when somebody writes about their own experience they're definitely likely not the only person who have been through that and that then provides a platform oh, yeah. for somebody else to step up and go no I, I you spoke to me and that allows other people to find their voice and I think that's such an important that I mean that is to me, that is part of what the essence of books are. Like they give you a voice that you didn't have before. Yeah, and actually, that was so. That was one thing that um, uh, Caroline said, which actually uh, I think will resonate quite a lot with you. And she quoted Virginia Woolf. And uh, for my listeners, I would I would consider Kendall to be probably the world's biggest Virginia Woolf fan. Hot, hot, hot. And so. Um, and she quoted Virginia Woolf, and, and I'm going to paraphrase this because I can't remember the exact quote, but basically um, Virginia Woolf has apparently said that a novel is a game between two people um, that, you know, you need both people to be playing, and it's, it's a conversation between the writer and the reader, and um, and so Gabriel Talent sort of responds to that and talking about how he's not on Twitter, and you know he's not really on social media neither is Kerwin and uh, the, the reason for that is because when they say what they want to say they want to have that kind of intimate con- like conversation with individuals you know and and share their story and have the individual take that story rather than have it like kind of muddied uh, God, my phone, and have it and have it muddied by um, you know like I guess you know just how Twitter conversations go and so you know so many people jump in this is a much more sort of intimate form of communication and um 
Yeah, and you know, like, and I said so when I uh, when I saw Patrick Ness yesterday, and so Patrick Ness um, is a gay author who writes young adult fiction, and I think he ties into a lot of what was being talked about at Gay for Page last night as well. Um, you know, I recently read one of Patrick Ness's novels called Release, and I just, I, I, I just felt like, you know, if if people my age had had access to those books. 20 years ago, there is no way that the marriage equality, I'm using quotation marks, debate would have gone on for so long. Like, people would have just had, like, that empathy and that understanding 20 years ago, but those books didn't exist then, you know? Yep. And, um, and I, so I said to Patrick Ness, I was like, I wish that, you, I wish that your book had been around 20 years ago so that, uh, you know, me and my peers, my peers and I could have read that when we were growing up. And he said to me, he's like, me too. That's why I wrote it. Mm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I guess that's the thing about history, though. At, at certain points in time, there are people who come up who, who have to open up these doors for other people to enter. And unfortunately, you can, yeah, you can look back and go, I wish, that, I wish we had that then because that would have changed the way that we would have acted now. But it, it has changed the way that we've acted now. So I guess we've got to be, we've just got to be thankful that we had that, like we've had that now. Yeah, and yeah. That, um, that's going to open up something else that's going to come, you know. Um, and I think, yeah, yeah and I, you know, I really, like, I guess tying back to the theme um, of the whole festival this year, uh, what, what exactly was the theme? It was power, um, something like power. Uh, yeah, so I mean, but basically the theme and what you're power. Yeah, what people were really talking about was power, and um, I think that you know, in, uh, the, I think, uh, and I think that there's a difference between power and courage, but I think that the people who take that leap and take that risk and write their story and manage to find someone to believe in them and to publish it and you know or or like Anita Heist who makes a platform to open that door so those voices can be you know uses that uses her power courageously to give other people power like I really I was just I just felt like I was hearing that again and again and again like these you know these very courageous writers who are writing about things so that you know, the next generation have that platform to, to push the boundaries even further and giving power to the next generation through through writing. Definitely. Know? And that is I think that is the essence of a of a great book is something that will empower you to do to, to kind of make a difference in your own journey in life. Um, and also I'm just thinking of, you know, even like Lee Sales and I think her 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 book on doubt and how that was written ten years ago, but she was she had some insight that, that there was something bigger going on because 10 years later, it's still so relevant. Like, and that yeah. continuation as well is, of, of getting something into that form that, that you have and you can look back on and think, wow, nothing has changed or wow, so much has changed. Yeah, so, yeah. So, um, again, yeah. it's time to be Reading that book was uncanny because it was written a decade ago and it's like, a premonition, you know, she was complaining, uh, complaining is not the right word, but she was um, talking about how the, you know, the, the, I guess the, almost like the reduction of intellectualism in journalism, you know, and, yep. and the 
shift away from you know critical analysis to sensationalism basically and it, it, it was really like she had had you know like a vision from the future without you know 10 years ago having no idea that Trump would be elected president and you'd, you'd have like this sort of all of this fake news and unethical media and stuff like that and um, you know and in fact that book I, I would I would argue has gained power over time because it's even more relevant today than it perhaps even was when she wrote it or even more true than it was when she wrote it which is kind of a terrifying thing it's a bit grim like there's a lot I feel like I feel like some parts <laughs> of this festival have been super empowering and some parts, parts of this festival have been really like quite but it has to be and that again that's just part of um there's a reality to it as well the world's not all rainbows and lollipops and i think that that's got to be that must come through in literature as well that's got to be a reflection of where we are um you know and, and i think it's just so important for us to make their further ahead better if we confront what's here and not kind of yeah not make that a simple any simpler than than what it is because it's not complex so yeah what a weekend should we do it again next year i think so i think we should definitely do it again all right well thank you so much to everybody for um for sticking with with us through our our sydney writers (laughs) festival journey Lots of ups, lots of downs, lots of left, right, and center, and sideways, and me telling you left, and I meant, meant right, and you yeah. listen uh, right. Luckily, I, I can't tell, I struggle very much in telling the difference between my left and right. And so, do, and so do I, and so I would tell Kendall turn left, <laughs> and she would turn right, which is fortunate because that's what I meant. I did mean right. <laughs> we kind of worked together. Yeah, it was we great. It. it was great. All right, well, thank you so much for joining me, Kendall. Thanks for having me. Anytime. And we, uh, yeah, we might be back next year with um, Sydney Writers Festival Take Two. More SWS. Yeah. All right. Thank you. All right, readers, that's it from me. I'll be back in June with business as usual and lots of book news and book reviews. I'm doing a little bit of an experiment with book events, so if you want to see what's on, especially in Canberra, check out the Tinted Edges Facebook page events. If you want to support this podcast and help to keep it on air, check out the Patreon page where you can support Lost the Plot for as little as a dollar an episode. You can also follow the Tinted Edges Facebook page, leave a review on iTunes, or subscribe to the Tinted Edges website to keep up to date with book news and book reviews. Thanks so much for listening.